0: Welcome to ICANN Voice, brought to you by the Insurance Cultural Awareness Network, bringing you the latest on diversity and multicultural inclusion within the UK insurance industry. Our guests include industry leaders ranging from large insurers, consultancies, to the leading insurtech startups, featuring our very own ICANN hosts. Together, we can create action. Let's get started.
1: everyone thank you for joining us and welcome to our new series I can at home where we're speaking to insurance leaders at home on how they are navigating the global pandemic and what lies ahead I'm Maxine Goddard, Commercial Operations Business Partner at Zurich Insurance, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Alicia St-Hilaire of Aon, Events Lead at ICANN, and she also is a Project Manager at Aon. That's her day job. Um, Alicia is also a founding member of JIN, the Gender Inclusion Network, and also sits on the Steering Committee of IWIN, the Independent Women Insurance Network of WCI. Now, today we welcome our very special guest, Ingrid Woodward, Head of IT and Operations. Operations at CNA Hardy. Welcome Ingrid. CNA is a leading specialist commercial provider for clients within the Lloyds and company markets and uh, for those who work in Lloyds um, you would recognize it as Syndicate 382. Today we'll be discussing the importance of operational resilience and positive opportunities for change during COVID-19. Ingrid thank you again for joining us. Before we jump in could you give us a brief overview of about yourself and what you do at cna hardy thanks Maxine and thanks Alicia for giving me the opportunity to um be
2: part of your group and also to share i, I guess and and also help co-create you know what the future might look like might look like um, so what I do at cna hardy I tend to look at um the team we work as a team I think that's first you know I'd like to stress that we operate as a team and The focus is to enable the organization. So I pretty much describe it as the engine room um, to make sure you're in the background. I guess if you imagine a car and it's the engine, you get in the car, you drive, you don't really think about what's going on. So we're in the background supporting the customers, enabling the organization to deliver on the customer service and also operate efficiently and effectively. Um, So that's really how I see the role. And from a tech perspective, again, it's to make sure that we have the right tools, that the team have the right equipment, but also that we're adapting to the changes in the market and we're using the technology to deliver for our customers. So in, in essence, it's about delivering for our customers and enabling our teams and colleagues to do that and do it well.
1: Brilliant. Um, It's always good to hear about uh, uh, these various roles and and how you apply them. Tell me a little bit, Ingrid, about your thoughts on how the market is responding to the current pandemic crisis.
2: So I guess, you know, if, if I think back, when we're at the dinner table over Christmas, no one ever imagined that we would be in this position. And the London market in particular has always been a place where lawyers are seen as the hub. And the thought of working from home, it it was always one of the elephant in the rooms or the taboo that says it could never be done. It could never be done. And I think some organisations have tried it or, you know, sort of uh, tested it by putting their feet in the water. But we never really embraced it fully. Some organisations did, and I think the more the technology-minded you are, you did. But for those, there was always this blockage that said we need to be physically co-located. And, you know, as an insurance industry, we need to have a physical presence. And I think the, the speed at which we had to pivot, um, you know, if we fast forward in, on Mar- in, in March and the announcement that was made... It's actually proven that it can be done. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be sexy. But in actual fact, you know, we're able to uh, whether we keep, we're able to gather up, you know, whether it's a computer or a chair or laptops and, and work from home. So I think if I take a positive out of this situation, it, it's two things. One, it's demonstrated that the things that we thought weren't possible, it's now possible. The other thing is that some of the risks or issues that perhaps we had downplay and didn't consider them to be priorities, they've now come bubbling to the surface. So I think a lot of these issues have always been around, but the the virus or the epidemic is act the pandemic. Apologies is actually demonstrated that we can actually we if we put our minds to it, we can address it and we can, we can take action. And sees these moments and not instead of seeing them as challenges, we see them as opportunities. Okay. And rather than saying we can't, it's how can we? So I think yeah. it's helped us to shift the dialogue and think much more in a forward future way in terms of it's no longer it's impossible. It's more about
1: how do we make it happen. Yeah, and I love that. I mean, it's rather than we cannot, we certainly can. I, I've been really impressed at how, Um, Within the industry, um, we've been able to um, just make things happen. Um, Of course, it's years in the making of preparing various, whether it's working from home, having digital technology prepared. But it seems to have happened at the point where we actually could cope. Um, so I've been really impressed at the speed that we could make things happen. And and, and naturally, of course, and it goes without saying, operations and, and IT are the new rock stars of many organizations, not just insurance. Um, everyone has expressed a mixture of gratitude and relief, excitement um, that we can actually make working from home, remote working happen. How do you feel about this? And how do you feel about um, post-pandemic as well um, with regards to this excitement, with regards to Ops and IT? I, th-
2: I think there are two things, Maxine. I think when when you work in Ops and IT, so the thing, I, I, again, you know, I, I come from a claims background. And claims is always seen as the product and, and being there for the customer. So every day there was something different. and You never knew what to expect. And moving into operations and and from a tech perspective, the benefit of practicing, I've now really appreciated the real value of practice. So from, from an operations perspective, you hope and plan for things not to happen. But when you test your business continuity planning, when you test your crisis management planning and you're continually testing that, that, for me, really comes to the fore in these situation. And also, from an IT perspective, I think what a lot of people probably don't realise or appreciate that in each organisation, these are functions that have to be continually tested. And, and, And so, you know, whether it's through a crisis or whether it's day to day, to make sure that the infrastructure is holding and um, protecting us, whether it's from cyber attack or whether you know it's from outages, or you're always heightened and you're always, uh, I guess, alert. And I think this is the moment of truth from an IT and ops perspective that's really come and, and therefore I, I heard someone say you know recently that the the, the uh, what we're not necessarily I wouldn't say we're rock stars I think we delivered when we needed to um, in the glue. <laughs> and, and pardon?
0: In the glue in the organization to bring it all together <laughs> I,
2: absolutely I, I, and it's also demonstrated that whilst IT may, you know, when something goes wrong, it always seems to be IT's fault. In actual fact, it, it really is around understanding what is the operating model that you know they're aspiring to, and then it's how do we adapt and support that and bring in the capabilities to ensure that we are delivering that value proposition. So I, I suppose I would caution that you know yes. We stepped up and we delivered when in the moment of truth. But in terms of the rock star, the real challenge, because I don't think the cyber threat has gone away, you know, the outages have gone away. We still need to deliver. Mm-hmm. What What's actually happened is the location or the locality has moved from an office into the home. Mm-hmm. And yeah. therefore... We need to think about, OK, what risk does that present? What opportunities does that present? You know, what is the ecosystem that connects us? How do we operate? You know, how do we connect with our brokers, you know, with our partners, with our vendors and so on? Um, so I think technology will, again, also evolve and more and more, we're seeing the robotics, the automation, the AI. But I don't think we should also we should lose touch of that the human or the the humanity aspect because I miss that. Yeah. that's something that I miss. That dynamic interaction that you have every day, and and the learning and the bouncing, you know. So it's it's finding that balance. And, and I, I whilst I love technology and I love the benefits it brings we don't we shouldn't deprioritize or de-emphasize the the human element of it.
0: So you touched upon technology technological risks as an industry how prepared do you think we are to defend against cyber attacks or data breaches at this time?
2: So if if I go back many many years and you know I consider myself an oldie um, in the industry we've always said one of the largest risks facing the insurance industry is a cyber attack. And we know they happen and, and, you know, they happen every day. And it's unfortunate that, you know, we see through this um, crisis, a number of scams that are becoming much more prevalent, mm-hmm. that people are, you know, clicking on links in, in, innocently or inadvertently. And it it damages, you know, yeah. the whole infrastructure and, or it can slow you down. Um are we truly prepared? I would say we have pockets. Regardless of, you know, there's always someone out there looking to make a buck. And Definitely. we also know that there are, we also know that actually, you know, there are also states out there that are behind some of these attacks. You know, um, I won't name countries, etc. <laughs> but we, we know that there are, we also know that some of these are you know, companies Companies that are actually make generate income from it and hold companies to ransom where well, you had your firewalls in the office and you know it was more contained it's now also spilt out so I'm sitting in a room in my home sometimes I sit in the kitchen and sometimes there's three of us logging on so you know I, I think it's mo- the risk has changed and it's it's moved away as I said from the office into the home and i think we're much more susceptible
0: how operationally resilient are we as an industry do you
2: think do you know insurance alicia it's one of those industries that we've always said you know it needs to change or it will die it needs to change or it die or you'll have insurtechs or fintechs coming in and um all these unicorns and and they're going to take the market share from insurance companies and if you look back to the last 10 years you've had a number of startups that have attempted you've had a number of larger insurers that have spun off you know an insure tech or a f- fintech but it's always been in the niche aspects of it so I think you know there is a role for insure tech to play um there is a role for the larger insurance companies to play. I would say that we are pretty resilient relative to other industries. And, you know, the financial industry, if you compare, they've had to evolve. They've had to adapt because of the, you know, the radical um, changes that occurred in the marketplace. I think insurance continue to have that wake up call. And as, as a result... We've continued to evolve and adapt. Do have we gone as fast as we could or should have? I don't think so. Um, could we do more? Absolutely. But in terms of how we operate and our resiliency, um, you know, I would say we're probably middle, you know, middle of the pack. We're not the best, but we're definitely not the worst. And within that, there're pockets so that there's some organisation that, can, you know, I was talking to. Someone last week and, and and they were saying that, you know, most of their staff work from home in any event. So they're able to pivot quite quickly and mobilize and And yet we know that there's some companies that have legacy infrastructure that for various reasons, whether it's, you know, investment limitations or just sheer complexity of the legacy systems It's not possible to pivot and move that quickly. So I think insurance companies and other industries will have to work through what is the level of risk that they can tolerate and live with. And against that backdrop, you know, where do they see their relevance in the markets as well? And I think it also goes back to their purpose. You know, why do they exist? And where do they where are they choosing to play? And as a consequence of that, you know, how did they develop their resiliency to operate at that level in the market? So I think there's a whole range of different lands that needs to be looked through to determine, you know, how resilient, what's that risk? You know, on a scale of one to five, are you prepared to be a two or a four and then adjust accordingly? Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well it's good to hear that we're not the worst um i mean i'm pretty glad (laughs) pretty glad to hear that we're somewhere in the middle at least Um,
2: i I think maxine insurance companies have always we've always beaten ourselves up
1: you know we've always
2: beaten ourselves up to say we're not as good as or you know this other industry is looking at and the one thing i've learned is that perhaps if we spend less time comparing ourselves and more time focusing on what is our relevancy and our purpose and how we're supporting and delivering for our customers, that will help us to determine how we want to operate and how we want to be.
1: Yeah, that's very good, good, good point there, Ingrid. For the last 20 years, yeah, been saying we're the dinosaurs of the financial services industry. Um, I think we're a bit better than that now, um, so really pleased to hear that we've been pretty adaptable and resilient through this time. Um, and and as we continue to work from home um, and we think of our people and, and, and our operational efficiency, uh, would you say that productivity has increased um, during this period or do we need more time to adjust? It, it's hard to gauge um how we are the, the 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 initial feeling uh is that you know it's optimism we're doing really well high fives all around well done everyone um what are your thoughts what are some lessons we could learn are we being more productive so i would say one
2: more quarter um given the speed so it's just from 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 my experience the speed at which we had to make these changes. I think initially, we underestimated the length of time that we would be in lockdown. Mm-hmm. And so we thought it was going to be a shorter duration. Um, and I think that sort of drove how we approach, um, I guess, you know, some of our decision making. What I would say is that, and, I, and and I I was watching a podcast the other day and it said the London market was operating at 80% efficiency and I was wow that's really good based on my experience I think it's mixed because it, individuals have gone through the emotional um change curve as well so I've had days when I've heard individuals say I'm really struggling today you know i'm finding it really hard i just need to go and take a break and you know our message has been very much if you need to take a break go and take a break mm. you know we're not expecting you to be glued to your desk um because i again the challenge that we face is that you know for in some areas particularly for women the present being physi- visibly visible and present in the office was one way of being seen and that challenge has shifted to, you know, how do how do I get seen virtually? And I, and equally that applies to some of my male colleagues as well. You know, they've had that their challenges. So I I think we need to give it time. And I think, you know, to, to some extent, yes, meetings have become much sharper and much more focused. The outcome is much more sharper and much more focused, but we can't forget that. know there's a human element to this and people have feelings i have days when i really struggle and i just need to take time out and then i have days when i feel you know i i'm just in the zone so i i would say in a couple of months we will start to see i think what's happened though the work has not deteriorated it hasn't slipped we've been able to maintain output but have we improved I'm not so sure I think it's too early to say mm.
0: so the use of technology has shown how flexible working can really work how do you see this change in how we work post lockdown
2: so I, as I said Alicia you know a lot of these issues and challenges that they've been around I think what this period has done is actually magnified it and make it bigger um, and it's it's given the opportunity to also think differently as well in the sense that you know coming out of lockdown do we still need to be physically based in an office um you know one of my former organisations, what I really enjoyed was the fact that as long as you had a laptop and a phone you could go and work in a coffee shop you know it's it was more about yeah. the output so I think the mindset has to shift away as well to say it's not about how many hours you put in it's about what you're actually delivering what, yeah. what you're and it's also about the communication as well in terms of what is the message that we're sending and and you know what i've also love to see is that in this period of time you know our well-being is actually being at the forefront of people's minds as well so it this is showing that actually you don't need to be nine to five you don't need to be eight or four you can flex and adapt yes there are some things that you would need to do during core hours but this just shows that particularly if you have children I mean my, my personal experience is I, I've got I've got a, a, a child that I'm homeschooling whilst I'm doing this
0: mm-hmm.
2: so I get up I work for a couple of hours I make you know I do the school bit and then I go back to work Then I do the school and then I go back to work and then sometimes we'll go for a walk. So it's giving us that flexibility. And I think a lot of companies really have that in their policies. It's evoking it to it becoming the norm. Mm. The other thing that we need to think about is actually, you know, are there roles or activities that are based in a particular location or a particular country? And does it need to be there? you know, can, does it need to be in the UK? Yeah. Can you offshore? Can you, you know, or are there some things offshore that actually during this period of showing that it didn't work, so we need to bring it back onshore? Yeah. So I think this will drive companies to really think about their operating model. I'm
0: bringing us on to our next question. Now that true flex working and remote working exists across at least 70% of the population, do you think we now have a greater chance of bringing down the gender pay gap, the BAME pay gap, the disability pay gap, and any other pay gaps to sort of level the playing field for talent in our industry?
2: It's it's something, Maxine. You know, it's something you you know I've debated and talked about previously. Um, and I'm 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 torn between this one, Alicia, because sometimes I think unless there is a mandatory you know ruling yeah. or some mandate that says this is what yes yeah, minimum criteria companies have to do the needle won't move and then sometimes I'm conflicted because I think actually we should be assessing on um you know on on, on merits rather than mandating I wouldn't want to be in a position where someone said you only got the job because of positive affirmation or you know yeah but on the other hand this is something that we've talked about and talked about and talked about and talked about for such a long time last year I really felt that through diving and you know other forums we were moving the needle the challenge we now face is that you know the opportunity to be visible and that networking you know it's gone virtual so again that community is perhaps not as adaptable particularly for the younger generation as well so i would i don't think it's given us greater opportunity i think it's given us it's magnified it yeah and it's it's saying that we now need to do something because you know if you look at The population is, you know, the BAME population in the UK is 14%. And if you look at the roles, you know, not just in in, in insurance, but across the whole industry, most of the jobs that, you know, occupied by that community are those that are, you know, either lowly paid or in care, etc., yeah, And I think un- until we start having a really open, honest dialogue and not feel that I've got a chip on my shoulder or someone's going to say I'm racist or, you know, until we kind of start having that elephant on the board agenda and discussing it and taking action. And, and I'm not suggesting that we do drastic action, but, you know, whether it's part of our strategy you know, there's so many reports out there that prove that when you have diversity in the workplace, you get better results. So I, 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 I don't think this is going to, on its own, change anything. And my worry is that unless we grasp the nettle now, when things return to normal, as we describe it, in mm-hmm. you know, whenever that might be, it will for, it will continue to be forgotten about or just another subject that gets talked about.
0: We need to keep this at the forefront of the new normal once things do get to that point. Yeah, I agree. And
2: and that, that that's my personal view. It's you know, it's something that I've thought about and thought about, you know, being someone who's of colour and mixed race and you know, I, and I've all, equally I've also seen that structurally our systems and process are not geared towards but the BAME community. Yeah. So I I think we need to take the elephant and perhaps chunk it up and put it in the room and, and you know, engage in, in that
1: debate.
0: Keep the dialogue open. Yeah, I tend yeah. to agree with you.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, we certainly do. And I appreciate um, that perspective, Ingrid. I mean, from a BAME perspective, we, mean, we remain hopeful um, that we can continue to see and make small changes in the right direction for the better. Um, But as you say, uh, it magnifies the cause. Um, It's just now, how do we address um, and continue to build these connections and um, support the ethnic minority group um, for the better? I mean, we all needed to hear this. Um, We certainly uh, expect to see changes during the pandemic. I think we were a bit optimistic that this is a leveling of the playing field. Um, But the elephant in the room, as you say, is changing colours rapidly um, and all the time. Um, So I think it's an exciting time. Um, Let's hope that by building and rebuilding our working relationships as we move through the the last phases of the pandemic, we could see change for the better. But we know it's not easy. It's not straightforward. I'm particularly looking forward to seeing how the cultural influences on the way we interact with each other improve. And, and, and what does that mean for diversity and, and diverse relations? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I'm hopeful that there will be a transformative effect in a positive way, even though that transformative might, might take longer than we initially anticipated. Um, just conscious of time. I really love um, hearing from you, Ingrid. Um, lots of good advice. And good pointers there for us all. I'm sure the ICANN and broader read, uh, listeners will appreciate um, what you had to say today. Um, so thank you. Um, thank you, Ingrid, and also to CNA for your time. And to Alicia for joining the podcast today. Um, it's important that we connect the dots and at ICANN, we are keen to make sure that we're connecting with the multicultural and international community within the insurance industry. Um, I know our, our listeners have enjoyed hearing from you. Um, thank you again for all these powerful insights and ideas. Lots of things to reflect on. And I would say again, thank you, everyone, all our listeners. And have a great thank day. You. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's show. If you like what you heard, please like and subscribe. For more information or to become an ICANN member, please follow us on social media or visit i-can.me. We look forward to catching you on our next show. Stay tuned.